With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. The Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy. The Stanley Cup winning Colorado Avalanche. And after 22 years, the sickest NHL podcast. It's going to be sick. And welcome to another edition of the Sick Podcast and the Eye Test here. And Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy joining you. We are psyched to bring on a special guest. And wow, what timing. Uh, we scheduled this a couple days ago, but today the New Jersey Devils announced that General Manager Tom Fitzgerald has been extended, and he also has a new position. He is the president of hockey operations, Pierre. Uh, I think this is a great move. I'm not just saying this because Fitz is a friend, but I think it's a good move for the Devils. I know it's been a kind of rough roller coaster season, but I think we both agree they are headed in the right direction. Oh, there's no question. You know, there's tremendous organizational depth that Tom's helped build up. Um, obviously they've got some question marks still in goal. I'm sure that Tom and his staff will figure it out at some point. Uh, they've been dealing with huge injury situations on defense and up front. Obviously, no Jack Hughes. That's a bit of a problem. One of the most explosive players in the National Hockey League. But I don't think anybody would tell you any different. The New Jersey Devils are trending the right way. Um, maybe playoffs aren't realistic this year just because of those injuries you were talking about. But I do think they're trending the right way. And, and Pierre, obviously, and we'll talk about it when we get uh, Fitz on here. Goaltending has been a question mark all season. Still kind of not where they want it to be. Um, but I look at this team when healthy, as you just said. I would say the pieces they're missing are more, you know, obviously goalie. But I would say bottom depth defensemen, bottom depth forwards as well. I would agree with that. Um, you know, Mikey McLeod is one of the better depth center icemen in the league because he's such a great skater. He's got excellent size. So that's somebody you can utilize in that bottom six role, um, especially when you have Jack Hughes playing and Nico Heischer playing. So I think eventually you're going to see enough of it. You know, Eric Hall is a really good depth player for the New Jersey Devils. Uh, but again, you talk about the injuries. They've got a plethora of injuries that they're dealing with, and it hasn't been easy. But, I, again, I do think they're trending the right way, which is really positive for Tom. Obviously, ownership felt that way, and it's really positive for the people that are part of the organization. And you look at that division, Pierre. It's it's getting more competitive by the day. We spoke about it, obviously, yesterday with Patrick Waugh now coming in as a head coach of the Islanders. But I think the, the Flyers have really kind of turned things upside down isn't exactly the word, but kind of put a little monkey wrench into things, so to speak, because I don't think a lot of people had the Flyers being this competitive this fast. No, not at all. Um, John Tortorella and his staff, we talk about it a lot here on the I-Test, deserve a huge amount of credit, Jimmy. Uh, he's done a fantastic job. I think Danny Breer and Keith Jones have done really nice things there. I thought they handled the cutter-go-chase situation really well. They obviously got a very good player in Jamie Drysdale. Do you see the internal improvement of players at the National Hockey League level. That's on the coaching staff uh, and the positive messaging that's coming from upper management. So you're right about Philadelphia. There are a couple of teams that have been disappointments in that division too, though, Jimmy. The, the Islanders would be one of them. Columbus, I think, would be another one. I think people thought Columbus would be better, but you're right. Yeah, better. You're right. Yeah. What about the Rangers, though? Where do, you, where do you have them right now? How do you look at them? Because I don't know if this is a, if it's too harsh to say this, but I do feel they've underachieved a bit here. Well, there have been spots in the season where they've been the best team in the league, and there have been other spots in the season where they've been in the middle part of the league. So you get the upper and then the middle, and they're probably somewhere in between. I don't think they're the best team in the league, and I don't think they're in the middle. I think they're a little above that. Um, they're a playoff team. How deep they go in the playoffs comes down to the commitment of the players. Jimmy, you know, you got Tommy coming on, and, and he was one of the guys that helped engineer 
the Devils upsetting, and it really was an upset of the New York Rangers last year. Um, if the Rangers aren't better than that this year in the first round of the playoffs, I think that's a huge indictment of where the Rangers are right now as an organization. It, it, but they just brought on a new coach too, so it's like you don't think there's going to be a coaching change, right? Well, I don't blame the co- no, I don't blame no. the coach. I think it's a flawed roster if they don't win. Uh-huh. You know, but right now, right now, you look at it. It's hard to argue with what they have in defense. It's hard to argue with what they have in goal. It's hard to argue with some of their top end players. The question is, are they robust enough? Are they sturdy enough? You know, Tommy, what I remember about Tommy is when he was playing for the Islanders in Al Arbor, um, you know, he was a depth player. He's really good at it. When he went down to Florida, he was playing for Doug McClain. He was a grinder. He and and, uh, Ryan Sprudland drove people nuts. They really did. Who does that for the Rangers? Yeah, I know. know. Those guys matter. Like, you think about Tampa. Think about Tampa. Did Johnny Gord, was he popular with the opposition? No, he wasn't. Blake Coleman? No, he wasn't. Patrick Maroon? No, he wasn't. Alex Kalorn? No, he wasn't. Barkley Goudreau? No, he wasn't. So you got a bunch of guys that, you know, are hard to play against, and I don't think the Rangers got a lot of those guys right now. I really don't. Well, I'll tell you this right now, Pierre. Speaking of the uh, the Metro Division, we will go back to Philly here. News breaking right now, that, and I hope everything is okay, Goalie Carter Hart is now out indefinitely due to personal reasons. Yeah, so it's not fair to speculate. I think this is one of those where it's important for people to actually get the truth. We had a bunch of speculation on Corey Perry when his story broke, and it wasn't fair. And, yeah, Corey went and got some help, and now he's resigning. He's going to be an important part of the Edmonton Oilers. I think this is really important, one of those things with Carter that nobody – um, jump to conclusions here. I think it's really important for the actual facts to come out on Carter and what exactly is is ailing him at this point. And the, the thing there, though, now, if, if this happened before the season, Pierre, with Carter Hart, I, I, as a Flyers fan, would be freaking out a little more. But I look at it now, Sam Harrison has played pretty damn well there. And if I'm not mistaken, they've got another kid in the minors, I forget his name, who – Pretty decent as well. They're not as, in terms of depth, they're not as bad as I think people originally thought between the pipes. No, that's fair. I think in this, like for me, my evaluation of this situation, I'm not even worried about the player right now. I'm worried about the person. I'm not worried about what the fans think. I'm worried about the person getting back and getting healthy and and being an important part of not just the team but his family. So that's where my brain is at. I've seen too much of this. Um, in too many sports, whether it's at the college level or the pro level. And I, I just care about the person. Maybe when I was younger, I'm going to tell you the truth, when I was a player or when I was you know, in college or when I was coaching, maybe it didn't worry about that as much. But I think as you get older and you see people going yeah. through this, you care. And so that's where I am as a 62-year-old person in my life. That's, I, I care a ton about where Carter is as a person. You know what? I'll, I'll tell you this, Pierre. It, and we're gonna we got Fitz coming on right now. I just want to say too, that's great to hear you say that. And I was just gonna say before you even said that, so great minds think alike. I love how much the league as a whole now pays attention to mental health and now recognizes it and has no problem granting leaves or whatever needs to be done for that player to get straight mentally and what's really important and be be all right in life as opposed to on the rink. So I'm glad that the league is doing that. Before Tommy comes on, I just want to say one of the most heartbreaking things that happened to me over the course of 34 years in the NHL, um, one of my former players, Mark Podvan, who was a really good player at Bowling Green University and a tough kid, a really, really tough kid, um, played for Barry Melrose in Adirondack, played in L.A. We had him in Hartford. Um, He was coaching in the minors, and he hung himself in a shower in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And when I got that news, Jimmy, I, I can tell you, I, I think it really changed a lot of things about me. It did. Um, yeah. with how I saw players and how I saw players interacting with their family and just everything for me when I was involved at, at the playing level or the coaching level was about winning. That, that's all it was about. Yeah. I think then you see something like that or you hear something like that and you're like, you know what, there's more to it than that. There it is. really is. There really is. And a man, and I'm sure, agrees with us. Will come on right now. He's joining us. And that's the general manager and now the new president of hockey operations in the New Jersey Devils, Tom Fitzgerald. Hey, Fitz, how you doing? 
Hi guys, sorry about the uh, mess up there. I, oh, that's all right. I, the wrong link, uh, but here I am. Here I am. It's called, it's called Murphy's Law. It happens. We <laughs> didn't teach that class at Providence College when Tommy was there. <laughs> Hi, Pierre. How are you? Good, Tom. Really good to visit you. Yeah. Good. good. Listen. Good. Congrats on the, on the new position and the extension, uh, Tom. I, I want to say. I mean, was this something that came out of the blue, or is it something that's been kind of progressing in the last few months? Well, I think progressing. You know, for sure. You know, they we. we you know, they came to me over the summer and, you know, just uh, with the want to extending me and, and making sure I wanted to be here and, and I was happy here. So, um, yeah, and that just kind of rolled on and you know, always with the intent to, to re-up. And, and honestly, it, it happened really quick over the weekend. Um, it really was a, a, a no-brainer for me and I think for the team and um, just to kind of uh, consummate the, the relationship even further and yeah here we are so no I'm, I'm extremely happy i i think we're we're on the road to a uh you know a, a a good bunch of years where we can compete for championships and um we got to work cut out for us now we would like every team we deal with injuries and it's part of the game it's just when it's catastrophic the top yeah. guys um it, it's hard, but you know what? Our guys are hanging in there. We pull out wins last night. We've got to play a certain way to even have a chance to to get a point, um, and and we've done that for the most part. That was a heck of a win last night against Vegas, no question about it. Uh, but the other thing, Tom, and I hope you can still hear me, um, was I wanted to talk about in your division. Patrick Roy gets hired by the team that drafted you, the New York Islanders, and obviously one of your fierce competitors. What did you think when Lou Lamorello hired Patrick Watt to be his coach? Do we still have time? The gremlins are out, Pierre. The gremlins <laughs> are out. They are just loving us this week. <laughs> That's okay. It, it, it would be interesting to hear what he says. I want to hear what he has to say, though, and we will get him back at some point. But we'll, we'll get him. We'll get him. There we and go. There he is. Fitz, were you, able, were you able to hear uh, Pierre's question? No. No, okay. but I'll, I'll make it quick, Tommy. First of all, you know what? The win last night was awesome. Obviously, you watched most of your games, and I thought your guys showed a lot of composure when you looked like it had gone off the rails. But here's one for you. Team drafts you the New York Islanders. You were a first-round pick. Lou Lamorello, who used to run the New Jersey Devils, runs the New York Islanders, your old team. He hires Patrick Watt to be the coach. What were you thinking when you saw that news? Uh, well, again, I, I, had, I didn't know until – to the building um, for our, our game that uh, a kid in marketing said, hey, Fitz, how you doing? You see the see the news on Patrick Watt? I'm like, no, no, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he told me, I'm like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, you know, Pierre, you know, it's, it's hard running your own team. Thinking about how other people run theirs is <laughs> it's, it's kind of uh, crazy. But I do know one thing. Patrick's a good – he was a good teammate of mine the short time I played with him in Colorado. He's always treated me uh, with the utmost respect going back to when he was managing, you know, Quebec. And, and we had um, a young prospect playing for him. And I get to spend a lot of time up in, in Quebec City. Um, but he was, he was always great to me. And you know what, Jimmy? He never went to the Dago Bear when he was in Quebec City. That's all I know. <laughs> Nor did I. <laughs> <laughs> that, then that is the truth. I never once stepped in there. Sorry, I'm going to say no comment. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. Like the, I'm telling you, not that we didn't want to. One time we had time to, to pop in there. Our, our flight from Montreal to Quebec City was delayed like four hours, and not, you know we were getting in at one in the morning. It was, it was like uh, this is they're doing this on purpose. Oh, <laughs> Fitz, um, you know, Pierre and I were talking. I know you're pressed for time, so we'll get right into it. Pierre and I were talking before, just you know, about the type of player that you were, and you know, the grinding player, always bringing it, lunch pail type mentality, and it really helped with teams like the Islanders in '93 or the Panthers in '96. And the last time I spoke to you on a podcast, um, we kind of discussed how you, you know, model a team. You, you kept mentioning the word pillars. And obviously you have to have your foundation players. But at the same time, I wonder, you know, when you became a GM, was one of the things to bring on players like yourself and, and, and infuse that type of personality into your lineup? 
Well, uh, the way we've looked at it is because of, you know, going back to Ray, Hero drafting, Jack Hughes and Nico. And right off the bat, you've got these two unbelievable, you know, pivots up the middle we call pillars. Um, and then building around them, you know, and, and adding skill. And, you know, you, you, you can't have enough skill. Um, and there's not all that much hard skill out there. Um, so you, you have skill, you hope to, with a, a culture to, to harden some of the skill up, but then you can build around these pieces. And I call it building around the edges with, with players like, you know, me and, and, and other guys that can do the, you know, just do what they do, play North South, simple, um, winning brand of hockey. And, and, and we've, we've added some of those guys through the draft and through free agency. And, you know, we've got a couple of players who were drafted higher, um, like me, um, that turned out to, you know, have characteristics like me, um, that aren't, going to fill the net 20 times a year and um but you need them because of the little things they do blocking shots face-offs good penalty killers you know uh understanding you know detailed and committed hockey um, and and we've got a few of those so but we're always out you know always looking to to continue to build around those edges one of the guys i think played a role in your development as a hockey person and we've never talked about this tom is the late Jimmy Roberts. You won a championship with him in Springfield with the Springfield Indians. How much of an influence did Jimmy have on you early in your career? Well, very uh, a lot. You know, I think there was a lot of me that Jimmy saw in himself. Um, you know, he was a very versatile player, more versatile because he played D and forward. Um, but I think he just admired the way I played. Um, you know, when I left school, in, you know, you, you, I was young. I was I wasn't even twenty one yet. I was still twenty. I actually was still nineteen, and just turned twenty at the end of August before my first camp. You think you know how to play the game, you know, but you're you're constantly learning. Whether it's, I mean, I remember taking a face off in Springfield and you know, chasing out to the point after I lost the draw. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, and it's like, it's like, that's like riding a bike for him, but no one, no one really taught me to hey, stay with it. Maybe because I want a lot, all my face-offs. I have no idea. Um, but it was just small things like that, that, that he helped with. And, and even moving forward with Jimmy and other coaches I had, you know, just how to hold your stick and just, you know, using it, uh, you know, instead of holding it in here and, and it's just small things that kids should be taught at a very, very young age. And I obviously wasn't um, with certain things, but you know what? He was, uh, we want to call the cup together. Um, you know, when you win championships at whatever level, you, you, you're always tied together forever. Yeah. Isn't that amazing, Jimmy? Don't we talk about that? Yeah, the guys went together. Yeah. They walked together forever. The great Fred Shiro line. Fred yeah. Shiro, yeah. I remember. It. Yeah. I remember it. Fitz, I want to. I want to ask you too. When you have days like this, you know milestones. I know you're already the GM, and you, you get an extension, but you get another position. But still, I'm sure you probably don't have time right now because you're you're busy as can be. But I wonder, just in those split seconds, to mentors like Jimmy, mentors like Ray Shiro, other people, whether it was your your parents or whoever. They go through your head in a, in a moment like that? Oh, for sure. All the time. Even, you know, the day I was officially named GM, you know, I think of my dad looking down from heaven, how proud he, he'd be. Um, he'd still tell me I made terrible moves. Um, <laughs> but, but, but deep down, I, uh, deep down, I know how proud I, I know how proud he is of me. And, and um, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, Ray Shiro gave me my first opportunity in Pittsburgh and um, I learned so much from him, um, you know, and then bringing me here to New Jersey and, um, you know, being my own type of leader. Um, I've got a good staff and even working in Pittsburgh, you go back to those Pittsburgh days, man. We, I mean, you look at the Jason Bottrells, the Chuck Fletchers, the Billy Garens, Patrick Alvin now, um, man. Man, they're loving us. Yeah. Well, you got to know. The owner of the Devils bought a football team this year for $6 billion. Maybe he didn't pay his internet bill. <laughs> I'm joking. They're just <laughs> that is the Commanders, by the way, right, Pierre? Right, the Washington Command. They also own the Philadelphia 76ers. So right. they're, they're doing well with their – and I think they do a little side gig. It's called the Hedge Fund. Okay. I think they're doing just okay. Yeah, they're doing okay. They're doing okay. Well, I'll tell you what. If we don't get Fitz back, though. Well, it's David Blitzer and Josh Harris. Those are the owners of. Yeah. and But, you know, I mean, Pierre, obviously, you've had such a strong connection with Ray Shero. From what? Oh, we got him. 
Sorry, guys. You know what happens is I, I'm on my cell phone, and anytime I got my phone shut off, but anytime somebody calls me, it, yep, it goes it goes dead. So yeah. I apologize. No worries. That. You're we're um, so grateful to have you here. It's yeah, awesome to have you. Right. I was saying about I don't know if Yeah, I just you know what I, I've had so many of the people that I've worked with. Um, you know, even even the business side here. You know, going back to Hugh Weber, who was the president here at, at HBSE, and and now Tad Brown. Um, you know, you learn a lot. You know, and, and processes is, is is different here in Pittsburgh, and it's it's made me a better manager um, because of information communication. Um, you know, utilizing all the resources we have at our fingertips, whether it's through the scouting eyes lens or the data lens. Um, it's, 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 I'm very lucky, but I've utilized it. Um, I've, I've got a good team here. I've got a, a lot of good people underneath me. Uh, you know, Kate, Kate Madigan and, and Dan McKinnon, Al Santilli, Scott Litwack. Uh, it, it's just Tyler Dello. It's good, good, good workers that we work well together now. You know, it took some time, quite honest. It took some time, but we're, we're all on the same page and pushing each other to, to be better. Quite honest. Here. Well, what I was going to ask was the influence Brian Scrudland had on Tommy's career. <laughs> Those guys, you know, we talk about double trouble in Pittsburgh with Malcolm and Crosby. Yeah. I think the original double trouble was Scrudland and Fitzgerald down in Florida. What about <laughs> I don't know about the double trouble, but uh, <laughs> on the ice. We probably double trouble off the ice. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I actually just saw Screwy. Um, they they invited uh, a few of us back to it's the 30th year I saw the Panthers and uh, myself Bill Lindsay Ray Shepard and, and Screwy uh, went back uh, great I mean he hasn't changed a bit to be quite honest but you know what I I was lucky even going to you know as a young pro with the Islanders and playing with guys like Billy Smith and Brian Trottier and uh, you know Kenny Morrow you know just to name a couple older guys and then having the Pat Flatleys and the LaFontaines and the Sutters you know like I was really fortunate there and then moving on you're taking that next step in leadership um, with with a, a, an older group but you brought in I was actually one of the younger guys but the Mike Huffs and the Brian Scrudlins and you know bringing in a guy like Mike Foligno you know Keith Brown you know Joe Sorrell all these guys with incredible experience Scott Mellenby it was just it was just a it, it was a lot of fun we had fun but we worked our ass off you know we we didn't we want to make sure people knew that they needed to respect us as as a team because if you didn't it would bite them in the ass um so that was the fun part and we had great coaches with roger and you know lindy who's with me here and uh, Dwayne sutter and you know even you know doug mcclain came in that team and, and knew how to coach the team a little bit differently and let us kind of get to where our what our skill sets were um whether it's skating and you know, playing physical, but it, uh, and Brian Mario, obviously, and I, I love Brian. He's been, he was, he's been great to me. So I, I'm so lucky. Even, you know, my, my biggest mentors going back to the Islanders are, you know, I, 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 I played on a Bill Torrey and, and, and Al Arbor, you know, Bill Torrey, Torrey drafted me twice, actually drafted me twice. That's How lucky 42. am I? So Jimmy, we've talked about all the old stories here with Tommy, but I got to ask him because I think I know the answer, but I want him to give our listeners and viewers the answer. So you got the Fitzgeralds, you got the Kachucks, and you got the Hazes. So you got to explain to all of us how you're all related. Because it's all like different stuff all over the place. The Boston it, it, Mafia. <laughs> it, it, it is. And when people say, geez, I, I think Boston people are related. Well, in this case, we are. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. So you've got you've got the Fitzgeralds and the McNeils. Okay. And, and my dad, Tom Fitzgerald, married Sharon McNeil. Okay. Yeah. So now the McNeils and Fitzgeralds are connected. Mm-hmm. Well, then my aunt my father's sister geraldine kachuk the infamous grandmother of matthew and brady married married john kachuk and they had a family so uh my my mother's side mcneil's uh my uncle my old uncle my godfather um had four kids sheila mcneil being one of them kevin kevin and jimmy's mom so so we were yeah we were we were just we were a very small family and spend every holiday. So because it was just my dad and and my aunt Jerry, 
the McNeils adopted the Kachucks in a way where it was every holiday, Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas, when, you know, they weren't seeing the Kachuk family, they'd be with, with the McNeils and Fitzgeralds. And, and then the kids just grew up obviously watching Keith and I play. And um, yeah, we just, we, we are one big tight family. That's for sure. Oh, it is it's an amazing hockey story. It really is. Yeah. I want to go remember, remember, oh, go the common denom- remember the common denominator. The Fitzgeralds. And I want to give a shout out too to your, your, your brother Scotty. He's doing a great job yeah. too out in San Jose. I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, good hockey kid. He's a good well, hockey you kid. Know, speaking of hockey kids, Tommy doesn't give his boys enough credit publicly, but Kate, he's a real good player at Boston College, and Ryan was a tremendous player at Boston College. Both of them had really solid pro careers. And I don't know if enough people know that part of it either, Jimmy. I really don't. Yeah. What was yeah. that like, just watching them rise as hockey players, Fitz, as a father? Well, uh, you know what? It, and Pierre can Pierre can understand this, you know, with his son. It's 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 fun. It's obviously fun watching them. And but you want them to, you want them to have so much success and play the right way. Um, you know, my boys were drafted. Um, that's the first step. And then, okay, pro contracts. Yeah, they had good college careers. And where can they take it? Um, you know, Casey's had a sniff in the NHL. I think he can play in the NHL. Um, he, he needs an opportunity. Ryan's battled some pretty pretty devastating injuries. Double hip surgery, groin. Yeah. So, you know, he's battling, you know, that demon right now. Um, but loving going to the rink every day, you know. Mm-hmm. Then I have, a, I have a third son, Jack, who he's just, he's in the working world. He, he's enjoying life. He lives in the city and he's loving it. And my youngest is at UNH. So, but I, I'm, I'm way more relaxed now watching all of them. It's fun. Actually, I, I actually have a ball watching them. I, I think it's, it's, it's something I had to learn, you know, mm-hmm. how to react, and, how to act and not, you know, be anxious for them and just, just, just enjoy it. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I do. Scott Fusco, the Hobie Baker winner, gave me the best advice ever. He says, when you go to the rink, when your kid's playing college hockey or pro hockey, go have fun. Because their accomplishment, for them to have gotten that far is amazing. Go have fun and celebrate it. It's the best I ever got from somebody. Scott's an amazing guy, obviously. The only brothers to ever win the Hobie Baker, the two Fusco brothers. You know, it's a great advice. And they're tremendous people, but you know, Scott told me that, and he was spot on. Go to the rink every day. You get to watch your kid and have fun doing it. Yeah, uh, great advice. Fitz, I want to just quickly, I know you got to run just uh, to the current team, current situation right now. I know what, what the fans are thinking right now, what they, they want to hear, uh, that you're busy on, you know, working the phones on the trademark and everything. But there's a lot of word out there, and I know one of the positions you reportedly are interested in is a goaltending position, potentially. A lot of words out there that the teams that have the goalies – are asking a lot. Are we, am I right on that? Oh, there's always supply and demand, right? You know, yeah. so, you know, to me, you know, without giving away anything, I'm always trying to, every manager will say the same thing. We're trying to better our team every day, but I am, I'm trying to better the team. I'm exploring certain positions, uh, multiple positions, just to see where the market is. And, you know, do we have enough assets to, to you know, make a trade. Um, you know, can we do it financially? Is there is there an obstacle where the cap comes in? And you know, being a, a cap team right now, um, possibility of being an LTI, which would would, would help. Um, so there's a lot of variables that that you have to take in place. Um, oh, I hear it all the time. Let's get a goalie. Let's get a D. Like I get it. Like, <laughs> but that's what I love about you know being here in new jersey our fans are so passionate and they just yeah. they they, they want to win i my goal is to to make our fan base our ownership group um proud of the team that we put on the ice um i think the devils are relevant relative relevant um again and and that's we, we just got to keep building on this momentum first just let's let's get healthy <laughs> and when yeah. at one, one point we had 35 million dollars out of the lineup it, it's hard but you know what we We've kind of we stayed in the fight, and that's all that I'm hoping to do is stay in the fight until we get healthy. Yeah, is no, that, that's tremendous. I agree with that 100. By the way, when you watch Devils games, the energy comes through the airwaves. Oh yeah, it wasn't always that way, Tommy. Oh, you know, it wasn't no, always that way. No, but no, when you watch no, a game no. from New Jersey, you feel the electricity from the fans. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, we we sell out. 
every night. It's the, the, just the passion level is incredible and, and they deserve it. You know, they, they deserve it. And, you know, with that is they're, they're hard. They want, they want to win and yeah. they're passionate. You hear it when they boo and, you know, you get the Bronx cheer once in a while. And it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a passionate fan base. That's for sure. But I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. You know what though? They're very fair. So when they were firing or they were yelling fire Lindy, as just mm-hmm. when they recognized they made a mistake, they apologized. Yeah, and that yeah. you hardly see that. Do that. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's rare. And I love that. That was a great like a great admission by them and shows shows the knowledge they have of the game. No, for sure. Yeah. And you know what it is Pierre knows if it's easy to make trades, there'd be trades every day, every minute of the day, every hour of the day. It's, it's yeah, just, yeah. it's hard. You know, people put their guard up and it's, I think with social media now is a, is a big thing with, with teams, in my opinion, you know, just let's grade the trade, you know, like it's just, yeah. it's, it's crazy, but you know what it's you, you, when you make moves, it's just, can can I help? Am I willing to give something up to benefit my team today and, and down the road? And, and then you just, you know, have conviction in it, and, and you and you move on. I and tell Jimmy all the time. Play? I tell Jimmy all the time. One of the best players we ever got in Pittsburgh when we won the cup in '91 and '92 was Brian Trotchy. Yeah. And you broke in with him. You know the value of Brian. Brian was way past his prime in terms of playing. The value that he brought to our dressing room and to our practices every day was unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah. And I I said it earlier in the the, the, the podcast like. And didn't even mention. I did mention Brian. I mean, I was I was twenty years old, twenty one, yeah. and I'm playing with these guys. And yeah, you, you just you just eyes and ears always open, and yeah. you can learn and get better. So yeah. I was very lucky. And seeing the influence too, like like Pierre just brought up there, and I obviously saw it when covering the Bruins when Recky came in and led to the 2011 Cup. Do you keep an eye as a GM, as the scout, and you you always keep an eye out for those type of players that could become available? that have that wealth of experience, they may not, you know, be what they used to be, but just the aura, the knowledge that they could bring for a run. Does it, does that factor in sometimes when you're approaching a trade deadline? Oh, for sure. You know, in Pittsburgh, we, we traded for Billy Garrett and it yep. was a great trade that Ray Shiro made because uh, he was exactly what the room needed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somebody of that personality um, who who could give it to Sid and Sid gave it to him. And but the respect level for each other was incredible. Um, but it, it pushed each other to be the best they possibly could be. Yeah. And with that being said, I you know we we've targeted guys. You know, like the Palats and the Tafolis. Yep. Like there you go. You know, championship pedigree is is something that we're trying to bring in here to help build uh, a. a you know, what it takes to win and inconsistency and how to how to practice the right way every day and how to approach your, your job. Um, when you see guys that have won do things every day the same way, um, it where it, it, it really kinda it kinda shows you really where where we you need to be. Jimmy, you know what? Tommy couldn't be more right. Look at what Kenny Holland and Jeff Jackson just did at Edmonton. Yeah. Perry. They didn't bring him in there because he's the fastest guy. He's the hardest shooter. They brought him in there because it's that winning pedigree we talked about yesterday. Yeah. I mean, you go back to the 05 World Junior, the 05 Memorial Cup, wins the Stanley Cup in 07, you know, Hart Trophy winner in, in, uh, in 2011. And then he goes to the final three straight years in a row, 2021 20, 22. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's a value added mm-hmm. asset to mm-hmm. the Edmonton Oilers. That's huge. It's the kind of player that I think Tommy's alluding to. Yeah, for sure. Well, Fitz, uh, we know you're pressed for time. We'll let yeah, you I got to go. go. We appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Congratulations again, and, and good luck as you head into that trade deadline. Don't be too hard on yourself, okay? Thanks, <laughs> thanks, guys. Great seeing both of you. See All you right, buddy. Have a good one. Tom Fitzgerald joining us here on the iTest on the Sick Podcast Network. I see your questions lining up. We're going to get to you in a few seconds. I just want to get Pierre's reaction uh, to that interview, Pierre. I, I've, I've grown to know Tommy very well from his days when he's with Pittsburgh scouting. He used to sit next to me a lot, and – He's one of those guys, too, like yourself, that's taught me a lot about the game, Pierre. Uh, couldn't be happier for a guy like that. Obviously, a hockey family, bleeds the game, loves the game, lives it. 
Uh, your thoughts on that interview just now? Uh, first of all, you deserve a lot of congratulations. Timing is everything in this business. For you to get Tom on the day that he signs his extension and has his title change, that, that's really superb, Jimmy. Well done by you. Thank you. Um, I'm not surprised by a lot that I heard in that interview. I knew a lot. You know, I coached against Al Arbor. Um, I worked with Jimmy Roberts. I coached when Brian Scrudlin was a player and, and coached hard against him because he was a pain in the derriere to coach against yes. as a player. Um, he talked about Doug McLean. I thought Doug did a tremendous job in Florida. Some of the stories um, that he shared about Brian Trotche and about Billy Smith, phenomenal, phenomenal. The Sutter brothers, Dwayne and Brent. You know, yeah. I'm really good friends with Brent, and, and I have so much respect for Brent. And I knew how hard a player he was. I also know how good a coach he ended up being. And, and so to be in that kind of an environment, you can understand why Tom's had success as a GM. You really can. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. You forget about Doug McLean being part of that team in 96. I mean, I, you know, I, I've known him more as an announcer, uh, you know, a Sportsnet analyst uh, here, but he he really did an amazing job. I I was looking at some old highlights today of that run. I mean, they were up 2 nothing in game one, Pierre. Against uh, against Colorado, kind of reminded me of of um who was it that played you guys? We were talking about uh, Chicago. We were talking Michelle Goulet. Remember, they're up to nothing in game one, and you guys came back, and that was all she wrote. It's kind of the same thing with Colorado, but uh, that was a heck of a run there, and it's good to see they're recognizing them again uh, in this anniversary year. It is, you know, back in the day when they were doing that, they were playing at Old Miami Arena. Oh yeah, and, uh, I coached an exhibition game there in nineteen ninety the fall of 92 but I got my first NHL win in that building a year later and what I remember the most is the legendary golfer Jan Stevenson was sitting uh -huh. behind our bench oh wow she, she was absolutely stunning she was an amazing athlete obviously she uh -huh. was also beautiful as beautiful could be um and then the other part that I remember is Robert Cron scored the winning goal in overtime and I remember <laughs> Roger Nielsen was really mad at me because I was I was cheating on the shifts because we were tired. We had some tired guys. So I was throwing eight, nine guys on the ice. <laughs> you know, I was doing it on purpose. And Roger kept, like, yelling at me. We were friends. Like, Roger and I were really good friends. And I had so much respect for Roger then and obviously after he passed. But I, I just remember how upset he was. And then at the end, the thing that really stood out to me, Miami Arena was a tough in a tough neighborhood. What I remember the most is, the late Emil Francis was our president. Oh, wow. My first ever career win. And he came running down the hallway, and he was trying to jump in to give me a hug. Uh -huh. And this gigantic security guard grabbed him, and he said, where do you think you're going, sir? And he goes, I'm the president of this team. You know, Emil was feisty. He goes, I'm the president of this team, and that's my coach, and I want to see him. And the security guard said, where's your credential? And he goes, I don't need a credential. I'm Emil Francis. And the guy <laughs> So Johnny Forslin was the uh, PR director then for the Hartford Whalers, now such a great commentator uh, out in Seattle. Johnny actually had to go get Emil into the room. And Emil was really happy for me, but I was kind of hoping he would leave because he was really angry. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And then we had a charter to Tampa right after the game. But uh, I have good memories of Miami Arena. Very good memories. No, no, no rats flying down on you? Uh, you know what? There were, but only when they scored, and, and then it kind of stopped. But that yeah. was an amazing – seriously, that was an amazing trend that they started there. Oh, yeah. That, and if that anyone, you know, for our, for our viewers, I don't, if you don't know the story, look it up. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing. It's an interesting story how that happened. Sometimes you had to get up when you were coaching, and even playing the poor, at least the players had helmets on, but when you were coaching, you had to get up against the glass because those things came down, and sometimes yeah. you from the upper deck, and it could leave a mark. Yeah, remember Wah under the net? Like, yeah. you kind of just buckled oh, under the net there, yeah. Oh, yeah I no, remember that. 100%. Good stuff. Well, let's open it up for some questions here. Uh, I don't know if we got any Devils fans. I haven't seen a, many. I've seen a lot of good compliments for Fitzy, but let's open up some questions right now. <laughs> that might be the uh, million-dollar question of the day. Alex yeah. Evanoski says, what is going on with the LA Kings right now? They seem to be struggling big time. Time for a goaltender tree. Well, Pierre, you were the first one on that uh, when Copley went down. And even before that, you said – I'm just not completely sold on Cam Talbot right now. And and ever since then, it, it's come to fruition, Pierre. They 
they're struggling right now. And we spoke about this. It's funny that Alex brings that up because you and I were talking about this a couple hours ago off the air. This is a team to watch right now uh, going forward because they need to find their way. They just went from potential Stanley Cup contenders to like, what the hell just happened? They better look in the rearview mirror because the Edmonton Oilers are coming fast. They're coming hard. And yeah. they're going to pass them real soon. Oh, they are. And then and then it's then they're slipping back. LA, I'm talking about now to being out of the playoffs. I think that would be unacceptable in that marketplace for Luke Robitaille and Rob Blake, who are the key decision makers there. Um, so offensively, they've kind of stagnated. Their defense is good, but it's not great. And the goaltending's been haphazard of late. Um, and I think there's a crisis of confidence right now i know they're going to say all the right things in the newspaper but i'm not sure it's a very confident team right now no and, and look we're not going to i know one of the questions everybody wants to ask out there is what's going to happen with mcclellan we're not going to speculate on that all i will say when it comes to the team pierre is that pierre luc dubois needs to, like if there's ever a time for this guy to deliver it's now because i'm just going to come out flat out and say it you look at his track record now where he's forced his way out of two teams, all right? And they gave up a boatload to get him. He needs he needs to pay it forward now. He needs, or he needs to pay it back, pay back the people that believed in him yeah. and, and prove that the expectations of him as a player in the NHL were correct because until now, in my opinion, he just hasn't done it. And I think if he gets going – I think the team will get going with him because they really need him now. I think the younger players have done well. They, they're always going to get their dependable veterans, but that could be the X factor. Forget about the coach. Forget about the goalie. If he gets going, then I think they get back on track. He should get going because he's protected. You know, when you really look at it, you got Deneau in the two-hole, you got Kopitar in the one-hole, and you got Lazat in the four-hole. So yep. he's playing in the three-hole. He's kind of like in the rocking chair. He's protected. Um, and they've put speed on his wings, especially with young LaFerriere, who can really skate out of Harvard. He's a tremendous talent, um, and he's got huge upside. But he's got to start to compete. And, I, Jimmy, we, don't, we didn't rehearse that part of the show, and you're spot on on that. I'm telling you. He is the X factor there that's got to get going because he's got – he doesn't have to do the heavy lifting like Anse does. And no. he doesn't have to do the heavy lifting defensively like Deneau does. And he doesn't kill penalties like Lazat does. No. So, like, what's his job? His job is to go produce points without exactly. being able to he needs, to he needs to be like a Krejci behind a Bergeron. Yeah, you know yeah, what just, I mean? Just, or Charlie Coyle when Charlie was yeah, playing. Charlie in, Coyle when he was in the 3C. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah. that's just part of it. And you talked about what they gave up. Think about Alex Iafalo has been a really good player for Winnipeg. And Gabe Velarde has been on the charts. Phenomenal. Yeah. It's unreal. He's really good. And Kupari's just finding his way. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah. But the other two guys are major contributors on a team that's one of the top teams in the league right now at the halfway point or past the halfway point. Yeah. So it's high time for him to get it going. All right. Let's go to the next question. Speaking of goaltending, who do you see as a good fit for New Jersey without without giving out the farm? That's from Chris Letris. I, I don't know, Pierre. I mean, it, you know, you can always go and get another – one B, if you want to call it, to be polite, and you're not going to have to give up much. But I think they need an impact guy. I mean, they need a difference maker uh, right now because they've got two one Bs, right? They've got enough one Bs. They need the guy in New Jersey, is my so opinion. One of the guys that was drafted by New Jersey and, and played for the Devils and is running an NHL team right now is Pat Burdick. Um, in Anaheim, and they've got some goaltending depth with Gibson and Dostal. Looks like Dostal's going to be the goalie of the future. If you're Tom Fitzgerald, do you call Pat Verbeek and say, "Hey, what do you want for Gibson?" Because that's the one A. That's the impact goalie that I think you're talking about, Jimmy. But does that mean that Carolina doesn't do the same thing because they think they got a chance to yep. win the cup? Does or that LA. mean that? Pardon me. Or LA, like oh, I just say, say or, or L. Now I don't know the last I don't time. Fox and Kings. It's kind of like when Quebec. Here's the thing: I always say to people because everybody trumpets about Patrick Roy going to Colorado in the Rajon World Trade, and I said, really? So let me ask you this: I asked everybody that brings it up, like saying, "Oh, how dumb they were." Do you think that Patrick Roy would have been traded to the Quebec Nordiques from no. the Montreal Canadiens? 
zero chance. Zero. Zero. So I don't know if he ends up in L.A. But so we'll just use Gibson as an example. That's a one A. I think you're talking about. Yep. Yep. And, and so that would be the guy that I would try. All right. To all right. I'm hypothetically speaking here, Pierre, and I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna say, this is just hypothetically speaking, and I'm drawing connections too to Fitz. If you go back to the draft, this past draft, yeah. remember it was in Nashville, and remember what happened, what Fitz did, and how wonderful it was. One of it was. Probably the most magical moment of the draft was when he went up to Poyle. It was Poyle's last draft there uh, as a GM. He played for David, yeah. And Nashville. he played for him. It, there's connections in Nashville, okay? There's connections there. They are on the record as saying they will at least listen on UC Saros. I know Fitz has other connections in Nashville as well. He played for Barry Trotz. <laughs> he played for Barry Trotz. I'm just drawing the parallels there. I'm just drawing the connections. Keep an eye on it. That's all I'll say. And I don't know anything. This is just me spitballing. So for anyone out there, don't say, oh, Jimmy Murphy is reporting that the, the devils are going to get – no, 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 no. I'm just spitballing, completely hypothetical speaking. Just like Pierre did, I'm just trying to draw connections because those are things to look at when you're approaching a trade deadline, and there is connections there with Nashville. And the other connection is Andrew Burnett was an associate coach in New Jersey for Lindy Ruff before he got the job down in Nashville. So there's another connection. And he knows some of their good young you know, players. You would know their young players. hundred. That's, that's why right. I did that part of it up. Well, there, there's a parallel there for sure. All right, let's go to the next question. What would it take in return for New Jersey to acquire Gibson? Well, the market hasn't been established yet, Mike, but I do think it would be substantial. I think you're talking about a three-asset trade. Roster. Yeah. Prospect. Prospect. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would probably be the wish list. So, uh, but a higher end roster player, um, prospect. Now, New Jersey, to be fair, not dealing with a wealth of huge prospects down in Utica right now. They're in last place in their division. That's not a knock, by the way, on Kevin Deneen, who's coaching down there with Ryan Parent. They're really good coaching staff. Um, but, you know, again, they're not overly talented in terms of prospect pool at the American League level. There are other prospects, on roster. Yeah, there are other prospects that they own that haven't played pro hockey yet. So I think maybe that's where Anaheim would if, stressing if they did something like that. For sure. All right, next question. I wonder if Lidar days are numbered in Calgary. Do you think there's interest in him? And that's from Randy Workman. That's interesting because all we hear about, right, Pierre, is is Markstrom being the name out there, right? But that's obviously going to be a big blockbuster if that ever happened. I, I, I wonder. I mean, I'll tell you what, Pierre. He hasn't he hasn't been that bad. But he's not a one A. He's not a one A. He's not a one A. No, I'll give you an example. So if you were to put Vladar on the market and Jake Allen on the market right now, let's just say both of them are on the market, there'd probably be more people lining up for Jake. Than would be lining up for Vladar. So that and yeah, it's just and you're not locked in long term on a contract. Jay's contract's up at the end of the year. So that's what I'm talking about. Just you, just so you understand, like it's yeah, it's a and little the more pedigree too. Remember, like we it's said, well, he's he got on cup. Yeah, he's won the cup. So yep. All right, next question. Alex Evanoski again. Who's the last wild card team in the? Uh, to get in in the West, I have honestly no clue. I watched Arizona play last night, and they look like a great up-and-coming team. They need a home in an ownership group. Uh, we were talking about them too today, Pierre. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think Arizona's got a legitimate chance, especially if Arizona or if LA continues to slide. I think that's going to be a problem. Um, Minnesota's got a last gasp in them. I do believe that huge win for them last night. But I think if you were to ask me if somebody slipped out of the top eight right now, who would be the first team in? If you were to ask me, I'd say probably Arizona. And I will just say this. They do have an ownership group. Owner, money's not a factor that they've lost a plethora of dollars there. Trust me, over yeah. the time that team's been in Arizona. But it is a huge market. They have developed a lot of hockey players, Austin Matthews, Matthew Nyes. Josh Doan, just some that come to mind. Arizona State is an amazingly fertile college hockey team that I think within the next five years could win the national championship, Jimmy. I really do. Mm -hmm. What a recruiting advantage they have. That Mullet Arena, I know everybody mocks it. 
it's a great college building. You know, I watch college games there. I saw my son play there yes. in the first weekend it was ever opened. It's it's a special place, and the crowd is amazing there. It really is. Yeah. I think it's one of those types. It's an old barn feel to it. You know what I mean? It's, it's modernized, but it's an old barn feel to it because of how intimate it is. You're on top that of the game. Like, that could be a great home advantage in a playoff series, Pierre. 100%. That place gets rocking, and, you know, you, you – if let's say Arizona in the first series goes out and splits on the road and they come back three and four and that place is hopping all of a sudden that home team's going back to their barn down three. One. You never know. I mean, those things can factor in. So don't underestimate the effect of mullet arena. I'm with you, Pierre. I think that's what, about the co- what about the coach Andre Torini? Oh God. What well, a job. He's talk about all these guys that have all these different opportunities to be coaches of the year. And, you know, I think talk, the leader right now. I really do. I think Rick's done amazing work and you see the praise from Craig Hartsburg last night after Chicago got shut out. He goes, now I know why they're one of the best teams. I mean, they're a hard team to play against and that's a reflection on the coaching staff, but Torney's done an amazing job with a young team. in he Arizona. He really has. He deserves yeah. a ton of credit, that guy. All right. We got one more question here. Go ahead. Think first is asking the question. If the devil's parted ways with Lindy Ruff, who would be the best replacement? Berube? Hmm. Craig I mean, be- I don't want to speculate on a guy losing his job here. I, I'm, I'm like you. Um, I, I, I honestly, I'm just going to say, though, I don't think that's what's going to happen, at least for the rest of this season. I don't think that's the move Fitz is, is about to make. I could be wrong. I just don't get that feel. No, I don't get that. I think Tommy would have not even come on if he thought that, major upheaval was coming i really yeah. don't yeah so i thought he handled himself well I, I thought there was an amazing amount of information and fairly dispersed by him um i i don't think they're looking they're looking to make changes i think if they were it'd be players first and mm-hmm. then maybe coaches but i don't see i don't see that happen i'd be surprised i'd be really surprised well, see, I just hope there's no more coaching changes. I hate seeing these guys lose their jobs. Well, listen, part let's, of the game, but let's be fair about this. You know, there, there's some teams that are are definitely under doing under whatever duress. Yeah, they're under duress. I think that's probably the best way to say it. So the Islanders were definitely under duress, Jimmy. They fired mm-hmm. their coach. Yeah. Um, you know, there. I think there are a couple other teams that are going to be under duress. You know, we just talked about L.A. Yeah, well, it's a problem. It's teams. It's teams too. Like I, I wouldn't look at if you look at the standings right now. And we went over this yesterday with the teams that are quote unquote in the hunt. But then we look at their goal differential, and they're really not in the hunt. I wouldn't look at them right now as coaching change. They'll just wait, or maybe you never know. Maybe they want to bring them in to get a feel for the team. But I just don't see in that lower tier. I don't see the changes coming in. But there are some teams like the one you just mentioned and a few others that you know, are not where they were earlier in the season or where they wanted to be at this point and know they can still be there, that's the teams I'd watch if if coaching changes were to happen. And here's one other thing. Owners and managers pay attention to coaching changes that happen, and did they work or did they not work? Mm-hmm. And the greatest one that's worked so far is Knobloch in Edmonton with coffee. God, what a bump. I mean – that thing's been unbelievably good with them. Yeah. And again, it's a relationship. Knobloch coached, obviously a really good player, uh, yeah. Connor David and Jr. Yeah. So he knows the player, the player knows him, and they're ready to do it. You know, somebody just brought up Barube there. I mean, it reminds me of the Barube bump the Blues got, and look where that ended up. So uh, in 2019, I mean, I, you haven't seen a run like that on, under a new coach since 2019, really. I mean, that. It's just it's unbelievable what's going on there in Edmonton right now. Though I will say, TSN Pierre today had one of their uh, you know their bullet questions for the viewers. They saying is Edmonton the best team in the NHL right now? No, I'm sorry, no. They're they're great. They're playing great, but they are not the best team in the NHL. Pierre, I can name three off the top of my head. I, I think you're close to one of them. They're close. I they're think close, they're one of but them. they're missing some things. They are. Yeah. They are. You know what? They're. I would say this this year. That's why I think there's so many different coaches in the coach of the year discussion. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of rosters are flawed this year. Yes. 
I do, and that's why you see so many teams that have a legitimate chance to win. Yeah. But, you know, look, at I know Florida went to the Stanley Cup final last year. I think they're really good. Mm-hmm. But I also know that they could get knocked out in the first round. Yep. You know, I, I, know, the, I know the Colorado Avalanche are really good, but I don't know if they're going to win a series with the goaltending that they have. Yep. So there are question marks on all these teams that are, you know, putting up huge points right now. Like Winnipeg. We talked about Winnipeg. Connor, Connor Hellebuck's the best goalie in the league right now, Jimmy. Yeah. But yeah. can you tell me the last time he was really an elite goalie in the playoffs? We haven't seen we haven't seen it. Right. Doesn't mean he's not good. Like I think he's really good. Yeah. And I think Rick Bonus has done a nice job with his group. Yeah. I don't think their defense is like elite stalwart i don't but they're really a good team it just what's gonna happen in the playoffs? there's so much parity there really isn't like if you had like you know most years you can have a a top four or top two even it's hard to say that now pierre it really is it's uh the the parity in this league is huge obviously the cap is playing a huge role with that and that's why as we said with fits if we as we've said many times in the show with many guests Cap space is a weapon, and so is drafting, and so is developing your own people. It really and is. You know what? So is coaching. And coaching. Uh, so the one thing I'd say, if you were to ask me the team right now, who I think could blow everybody out of the water, if they're really smart at the trade deadline, it's Vancouver. I was just going to say. I, I think there's something going on there this year that hasn't gone on there probably since 2011. Yep. And in 2011, Bonus was one of the assistants, and Vino was a head coach. And it was a good staff, and they, they had a lot of success. They had a good team. The Sedins mm-hmm. were right on top of it. Alex Burroughs was playing fantastic hockey. They had a really good team. They did. They had, and Mwango, obviously, was good in goal. They had a lot of stuff going on there in a good way. Yep. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, and I know we're pressed for time here, Pierre. We're going to get off right after this. I, I just want to say, too, Rutherford the other day, I urge everybody to check out that press conference from when he got his extension, I believe it was last Friday. No. Um, he did say he's willing to part with first rounders, second rounders, draft, but he said, I'm not blowing up the farm. No. I'm not going to do it for a rental. If it's, if it's a hockey deal, that's a whole other situation. If I'm getting a guy with term, but he said, you know, and, and he, it was kind of like this sort of understanding the reporter and who he, he was talking about. They, they've been linked a lot, Pierre. I don't know if you've seen to Lindholm in Calgary. They've, yeah. so they've already made one trade with the Flames. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of speculation there. And, man, can you imagine the no, one, two, three up the middle? Those guys? Yeah, no, but I'll just say if they get him, that changes the batting order in the West big time. Oh. A lot of people will say, holy shnikes, like, this is going to be tough to play against these guys. It really yeah. is. So, again, you know. It's going to be interesting. We'll see. We'll see. We're getting that time of year up here. All right. We want to thank Tom Fitzgerald, our guest, the general manager and president of hockey operations in the Jersey Devils. That was a fun time with him. Uh, and we want to thank all you viewers and uh, listeners out there for your questions and our great production team who was put up with uh, my gremlins. Uh, they will be corrected. And, Pierre, we've got another three days left in this week. Uh, it's it's getting better and better. We've got Doc Emmerich on Thursday joining us in the Press Box Thursday segment. And, Pierre, I think are we allowed to say who we yes. have the on-campus guest? Well, I'll let you uh, do the honors, my friend. Legendary Teddy Donato from Harvard University. Before they play the Cornell Big Red, huge weekend for Cornell, Harvard, Dartmouth, and Colgate. Those are the traveling partners playing against each other. And I'll tell you one thing. You know, you have the Hatfields and the McCoys. Well, I can tell you Harvard, Cornell is Hatfield and McCoy. There you go. Good rivalry. Good rivalry. And uh, we're getting just before puck drop. It's pretty good. Yeah. Teddy Donato, too, with uh, another Boston hockey family there. Uh, And, of course, his son now playing in the NHL as well. So with uh, Connor Bedard, by the way, in, in Chicago when he's healthy. So looking forward to that. Teddy Donato Friday, like I said, Doc Emmerich on Thursday, tomorrow, ask away Wednesday. So get those questions going. We'll be able to address a lot more of them. And we'll, we'll look back on some things. One thing we didn't get a chance to talk about here. And I think it's a big topic right now is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. Um, 
we talk about are there changes needed with some teams? That's something we got to look at tomorrow because that was just, I'm sorry. I don't know another word to say it. That was uh, a disgrace last night. It was well, just, below their standard, Jimmy. It's below yeah. their standard. And, you know, it was um, hard to watch. It's it, it's not the last two games for them haven't been good in Vegas, obviously. And then last night, and look, at the, they're not perfect, but sometimes they have to be perfect, if you know what I mean. And they just yeah. weren't, they weren't last night. They just the thing, no two period, and we'll get into it. They can be better. That's that's the thing that's so frustrating. I guess that's why I was a little harsh. There's because I know I know some guys in that team. I know people with that team. They can be better. And, yeah. and it, they're going to need to dig deep. It's the players, in my opinion, that are going to need to dig deep because there's some skill there. They could still do it. So and, you know, where would they be without Sidney Crosby? I mean, geez. I don't know. Like they're already out of the playoffs now. Would they be in a lottery situation? That's yeah. It would be, wow. honestly, just being honest. Be. All right. Well, we'll get to that tomorrow. Many more topics with our questions on Ask Way Wednesday. He's Pierre McGuire. I'm Jimmy Murphy. This has been another edition of the Eye Test on the Sick Podcast Network. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Eye Test with Pierre McGuire and Jimmy Murphy on YouTube, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.